Heavy Hops is a Scorched Tundra production. You can access all our episodes with detailed show notes and information about upcoming events by visiting scorchedtundra.com slash heavy hops. Be sure to follow us on your preferred social media platform. Subscribe, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you access podcasts. Thanks for supporting us and enjoy the show. It all completely relates to what I'm doing now. It kind of hit me in a different way. Sometimes it takes 20 years or 25 years for something to make sense to you. And that was one of those instances. Welcome to Heavy Hops. My name is Alexi. Joining us this week is Greg Anderson, co-founder of the experimental metal band Sun and its label home, Southern Lord Records. We discuss the band's recent output, Meta Benevolence, BBC Six Live, on the invitation of Marianne Hobbs, a live recording captured in 2019 at the legendary Maida Vale studio in London. We discuss how these drones and improvisations from the band's 2019 releases, Life Metal and Pyroclast, came to life and evolved over the course of the tour, culminating in the recording that also featured Swedish musician Anna van Hoswolf. Meta Benevolence's son's fourth official live recording since its landmark Monoliths and Dimensions release, and we explore how live performance has impacted their studio work since. Greg also shares insights into his upcoming solo material and curatorial vision for Southern Lord Records, one of the most influential labels in heavy music. Let's dive and get heavy. Greg Anderson, welcome to Heavy Hops. It's a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for having me, man. Let's talk about Meta Malevolence, BBC Six Live on invitation from Marianne Hobbs. I think there's a lot more to this than even the lengthier title suggests. It's the latest Sun output. It was a return for you to BBC's Made a Veil studio where the Peel sessions were recorded. It was also on the back of a sold out show at London's uh, infamous Roundhouse venue. And that was uh, also the last show with Anna van Hauswolf as the opener for the UK leg. So there's kind of a lot that was going on in the run up to this particular occasion. Can you sort of break down how this opportunity came about? Yeah, uh, Marianne Hobbs is a, uh, uh, has a show on the BBC Six Music, um, and she um, has been a longtime supporter of the group. And um, when she found out, or when we contacted her that we were coming to the UK, she started making the arrangements or made the arrangements for us to, or invited us to come and play do a session, do a, a recording session at the Maida Vale Studios. And we um, we were basically, that was the end of that show in London was the end of the tour for us. Um, it was probably about a, probably two and a half week run that we had done. And it was the end of about five shows in the UK, I think something like that. But um, so we were, we had been playing and kind of, we were in a, we were in a good, good, uh, rhythm and good mode all of us playing together at that point and so it was kind of it was it was really nice to document where the group had 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 gone and where where the group was at that moment in time because uh, uh, typically for sun especially after you know a, a couple of weeks playing uh, together it's really interesting some of the developments that that happened um some of the directions that the the pieces that we choose to play in the, in the performance take, you know? So it was really, you know, it was an, it was an honor to, uh, to do, uh, do that recording at the, at the Meta Vale, such a, a prestigious uh, spot. And um, yeah, I was, it, it ended up being really, to me, a really um, a great document <laughs> as well. And, and having, and also, uh, working with uh, with um, or collaborating with Anna was was also very special for us because we had really um, had some great shows uh, together and we have a lot of respect for her and, and her music. So it was great to to have her involved with uh, with that sort of a you know really sort of a last minute decision to do that because we the shows that we did together when she was supporting Sun um, we didn't. She didn't join us on stage until the until the London show. She she joined us for um, a little bit at the end, but this was a good. Um, this was really it was kind of a nice um, surprise for her to come and do this 
collaboration with us uh, at the Men of Ale. It sounds like an interesting sort of closure and presentation from a touring experience. I want to sort of latch on to something that you mentioned, and that is that you're capturing a moment of how these songs may have evolved over the course of a tour and a specific moment with people and that these are maybe different in some way from what you hear on the recording. So how does a song sort of evolve for you throughout the course of a tour? And you can be specific about these, for example. Well, yeah, it, it, it you know, it's just, it's very, it's, it's extremely organic. You know, it, 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 it sometimes grows or evolves or devolves into something different than when it started which is really to me like that's that's to me is really something that is inspiring and and really kind of you know it's the motivation to to keep going and also playing with these different players that we that we have um for example um steve moore um who plays uh, trombone and keyboards um during live performances He's been on several of our records before. He played on Monoliths and Dimensions, for example. Uh, he's really, um, really involved with that. But um, he wasn't on Life Metal. So, you know, taking sort of the Life Metal pieces or ideas um, from the Life Metal session and, you know, basically performing that live with different people, there's, you know, there's going to be different things that are going to happen. And especially with Steve is um, we basically, we turned the, the piece Troubled Air uh, into really sort of a, a, a it took a very different direction with with um, giving him space to do a uh, a solo, <laughs> um, which is on the um, which is which is as how you hear it on the on the BBC Six um, Benevolence uh, album. So um, yeah, that's you know that I, I love it when that happens and and just the music can take a completely different direction or go into a different space depending on on. Um, you know, the players that are involved and what they bring to it or, um, you know, we, and we, we like to leave things pretty somewhat um, open-ended so that it can travel into those different places as well, you know, gives kind of give others freedom to do exactly what they want. You know, there's no, there's, it's very, it's a very, it's a very open sort of relationship <laughs> uh, that, that happens with uh with us and other other players that we are with. It must be interesting also to have involved Anna von Hauswolf. I mean, she has seen and heard you outside of what she may have been exposed to in the past, but you know, she was with you every night of the tours as the opening band. And so as a sort of enthusiast here, I find it sort of interesting to have thought of, okay, how did she sort of imagine herself in these songs, maybe accidentally beforehand without even thinking of an opportunity that may have come in the future to have been on them? It's interesting. So how did you sort of feel about her input into the tracks in terms of her performance? Well, everything's, you know, everything's very much in the moment. You know, it's, it's, it's very, it's improvisation, you know, so, um, and she's extremely talented and what she, um, her music that she makes and where she's at musically is, is incredible. So I, I, I was, you know, I, I as with as a lot of times when we collaborate with people, I, I know, like I don't really have expectations necessarily. It's just kind of letting that person, their personality and and their musicality uh, fuse into what we're doing. And and she did a, I think what she what she brought to the the recording was 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 amazing. I, it's it's interesting is that the way that it was sort of set up and um, she was in in a kind of isolated. Uh, a booth because of the vocals and so i didn't and the you know we play it we were playing at a, at a very loud volume so we had it you know we had headphones but you know it, it's re it was really difficult to hear the separation and hear different things that different people were playing I, and, and for me it, oh, a lot of times with sun just as it is in, the, in a live setting and just, just you, you kind of just oftentimes you're not able to really always hear what other people are playing so you just kind of let yourself go and 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 play and and and, and play by feel you know so I, I actually didn't hear the vocals at all until um or the uh, uh the organ or the keyboards that she she played until we went into the control room and listened back to what had happened and then really 
once it was mixed at the end of the day, that was when you really could hear what was going on. But, you know, I, so in this particular instance, I personally, and, and, and probably the same for the other players and son as well, weren't necessarily reacting to what she was doing. It was just sort of, we were all just like letting it all, letting it all out there, you know, letting it all, <laughs> let it all hang out basically. And then, um, but, you know, with playing within the moment and the feeling of what's going on and in, in what you can hear in the room, what, what the sound of as a whole, as a group is making, you know. That's fantastic because I would imagine it would be very loud. It may be hard to hear what she was doing for sure. And so it is interesting to sort of come out on the other end of the mixing to be able to hear it. So is that how the production went in terms of you were tracking obviously live and in the manner that you discussed, but it was all done in one day in terms of the post-production of mixing? Yeah, as far as sun recordings go, it's a very unique um, situation in that the BBC is very regimented and very specific about what they do and how, what time is spent on it. So there's no, so there's no overdubs, for example, there's no layering or adding different textures after the fact it's, it's everything's played live. And then the mixing engineer um, has really sort of a, he has a timeline, you know, that he's trying to follow basically and it's, you know, it's all based on union and, and uh, you know, and, and legalities of the BBC, you know, the British government, really. And that he's got it, you know, and he's got his breaks that he needs to take and all that stuff. So, so he's kind of got a schedule going um, in his head. And, and you know, we, 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 we know the drill. We've been there before. And, and um, we know that there's no, there's no chance for really for analysis or going back and, um you know, doing overdubs or, you know, fixing mistakes. It's, it's, it's really sort of warts and all. And then there's a mix. He does a mix. We did have our front of house sound engineer there as well to sort of, you know, be, uh, be helpful and, and, you know, also sort of represent the band. And, you know, he knows what we like, or he knows, he knows what the, he knows what we like or what, what a, a good live sound is for the band. So he was, he was working on with the engineer with that. Um, but you, you just live with what you did, which, um, and what you recorded, which, uh, I, I really, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, um, it's not how we usually work. You know, usually we have, there's a lot more analysis and control and, 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 you know, there's a vision that we have that we're, we're working towards, um, uh, when we make a recording um, in a studio, but this is different. This is really, it is really needs in really kind of, for me, my mindset was like, well, this is a, this is a live recording. Like I said, warts and all, and, and that's, and it is what it is. So yeah, but, um, but I think it's a cool, I mean, it's really is a true, it, it's, it's interesting because it's not, you're not performing in front of people and you're not performing in a venue, but it is, it is live and, and it's in the moment. And um you know, and I think everyone, every player um, on the recording, uh, you know, they, that they're they're playing with that obviously in mind, and and um, and they're just uh, and they're in the moment, and they're and they're letting it happen in the moment. You know? That is true and appropriate in a sense, as if you are capturing a moment. You certainly are. If the post production's minimal, and I just think that this idea of the British taxpayers paying for a sun production is pretty awesome too. Uh, <laughs> I could see how these peel sessions would get out of hand pretty easily with the caliber of artists and the particularities of all of them over time would dictate a pretty strict schedule being on tax dollars. But it's a shame. Hopefully, the British population can pay for a full sun album in the future, right? So if we take this in comparison to like Dom Schirke, for example, from 2008, a live album you recorded in Norway. So that was actually with an audience. So how did some of the post-production sort of compared? Was there overdubbing or like work that you did that made that very different? Man, I, you know, it's, I can't remember what we did on that one. I think that's primarily live. I think there might've been some stuff fixed on that or I, I shouldn't use the word fixed. I think there might've been some post-production stuff happening with that, but I, I can't really remember um, exactly. I know it was, I believe it was mixed by somebody definitely was mixed by somebody. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time remembering the specifics of that recording, 
But I mean, I, I think that, you know, as with a lot of the Sun recordings, you know, a lot of what you what we record and what ultimately comes out on the album, a lot of this stuff is it's it's improvisation and it is live. So it's not it's not so far from us to do. I just think on records like like Monoliths and Dimensions, for example, that was very much conceived and with and it has a lot of different parts and textures and layers and instrumentation. You know, there's there's a core of that of the album. There's a core of that album that's recorded live, but there's a lot of stuff that's added to it to create the final piece and a lot of editing that is uh, that is you know obviously not a live performance. But life metal, I mean, that's the thing. You know, we're touring off of kind of in the spirit of and on in support of life metal, and that really is a that's a live recording. You know, there wasn't. There wasn't, um, in comparison to other studio albums, that is the most live record that we recorded. I mean, that's also Steve Albini's style as well and what he's known for. And really why we went to record with him was, again, like the live performance side of Sun has taken on such a, it's such a massive part of what we do. And it's kind of, you know, taken on its own life. So our idea was to make a studio album with, you know, really sort of, trying to keep it, you know, have it in the, in the vein and the spirit of a live show. So, um, every, you know, there's, there's very minimal, uh, overdubs on life metal. Um, there's a few textural things, um, and a few, uh, different instrumentation things that we did. And there, there are some vocals that Hilder did on that, that were, um, not recorded in the same at the same time as the main piece of the music because of the volume, actually. I, I think the BBC, that's one of the other reasons it felt natural for us was that we had just finished recording a record that was basically also recorded live. And, you know, it was sort of, to me, that tour was, was celebrating that <laughs> as well and, and working off many of the ideas and, and riffs and, and pieces of, uh, pieces uh, from that album and and from Pyro Class too, which is kind of the com- is the companion to the Life Metal record. So um, it felt natural for us, and and I feel fortunate and grateful that um, Anna also like I think that she understands what we were doing, under you know respects and likes what we're doing. So her she fit in really well and contributed. Her contributions are are amazing to the the recording. Yeah. Without question, I think it was a really sort of a treat to have that sort of voice within the ferocity and the mood that the three pieces sort of construct to have her voice in there was really, really, uh, it added something quite special. To sort of tie a bow on this uh, live album, you also had an artist and friend of yours, if I understand correctly, Savage Pencil joined you in the studio as well to do a live drawing. How did that sort of uh, come about? Just maybe touching on the visual side of this too. He, he's a old friend and ally and supporter of the group for a really long time. In fact, he was, he came in with us um, on our first BBC uh, recording, which I think was 2003. Um, or 2004, I'm having a hard time remembering the exact date, but the first time we did a BBC, which was for John Peel, um, he was there as well. And, um, he, he actually, um, he was actually playing some, he did, he did some playing on the, on the recording too. So, um, but he, we've always been, I mean, we're huge fans of his artwork and, and he's just always been a, a, a close friend and supporter so we, of course, invited him to come by this session as well. And he, while we were recording and playing, he drew, he started drawing, making drawings. But he was inspired by what he was hearing in the room. He was in the same room as us. And it was really cool to have, you know, so this live drawing as well that, that he did, like, you know, and he showed it to us after we had finished uh, recording. He's like, oh, yeah, well, I, was, I was really inspired by what you guys were playing. It was great to be in the same room and listen. And here's some drawings that I did based on that. And uh, we're like, Oh, this is incredible. It was really great. And um, we were uh, honored to use that within the album as well. 
it's interesting to see what people kind of create when they're hearing something and actually drawing live and how they sort of like interpret the mood and how like what they're thinking and all of that. I mean, how did you sort of uh, take that if we dwell on this for a second? Um, well, yeah, I'm, I'm actually really fascinated by that, actually, <laughs> of, of people's interpretation or, you know, different things that people um do inspired by some that's non-musical uh um especially like uh like maybe dance or um <laughs> theater or paint you know of course paintings and um you know different things um to me that have happened over the years when somebody has said hey this is something that i've done yoga <laughs> that is uh inspired by what you do um in some way I, I think that's really fascinating so yeah and 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 edwin's you know he i love his um i love his artwork and and his approach to what he does it's like it's just so unique to him and i he's one of those people that you know wow i really feel like he and he gets the band on a really deep level you know and, and understands what we're doing and and he really sort of you know it's great hanging out with him it feels like you know it's like it's, it's almost like a another band member really you know like because he understand because he, he, he under can he understands what we're doing and um he has a connection to us you know as well so it's pretty interesting to be able to perceive that someone is on the same wavelength as you by interpreting their art when you may not have that skill yourself. I find that really interesting as someone who is horrible at playing music and can't draw. And I find it fascinating when I see people making those sorts of correlations, because in the end, I mean, that's how they are sort of making sense of things much in the way that you use instruments to do the same thing. Absolutely. And, 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 and this goes beyond this, his drawings as well. It's also like, it's, that's also come, you know, many conversations that we have with him as well, you know, um, where he's it explains to him, like what the music, how it resonates with him and and his thoughts on it and it's like wow it, it you know you it's very um it has a lot of similarities to the way that that we think of the music too you know and it's cool when you when you make that connection with somebody and you when you have the time to have that conversation with somebody and especially somebody who is also an artist that you have a lot of deep respect for already and love their work you know which is what um you know what we think of 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 Mr. Edwin Ponce, um, he's just an amazing person, and and um, it, it, it's an honor to have his artwork um, be featured on on some of our stuff. You know, you're listening to Heavy Hops. We'll have more from Greg Anderson in a minute. There are a few things happening in the world of Heavy Hops and Scorched Tundra that I want to share. You can find tickets to Scorched Tundra present shows at scorchedtundra.com/tickets, and be sure you're in Chicago on Labor Day weekend, 2022 to experience the next Scorched Tundra Festival. We've also created a crowdfunding source for all things Heavy Hops and Scorched Tundra. If you love what we do and want to support us, find the donate link in the episode notes and give what you'd like. Giving any amount will grant you access to our Discord community and an opportunity to contribute to making this show and Scorched Tundra content the best it can be. Please also consider sharing this episode, rating us, and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us. Thanks for this moment, and back to our conversation with Greg Anderson. So looking more broadly sort of at the output of live albums since uh, Monoliths and Dimensions, do you sort of see more live albums coming out in the future and of that sort of continuing to be a tray of expression for Sun? Um, yeah, possibly. Um, you know, I, You know, kind of... Starting with uh, White One, um, and then going into the second White Record, Black One, and Monoliths and Dimensions, the band sort of, in my eyes, kind of became this two-headed beast where it was like you had the live performance side and you had the studio recording side of the band. And they were each sort of their own living breathing entity and there was definitely crossover between them but the to me the albums were more you know they were very conceptual conceptual in a different way you were able to develop different ideas and add different instrumentation that you that we weren't 
doing live or weren't able to do live, you know? So, and it really, you know, after Monoliths and Dimensions, we really didn't do a lot of recording for quite a while. We just focused on playing live and sort of, in my uh, opinion, the band sort of the performance side of it took over and we kind of were in a position where we didn't know where we were going to go with our next studio album. And, but we were really enjoying playing live and the band was taking shape and music, the music, or sorry, the music was taking shape in different ways that way. So, you know, kind of come bringing it to life metal. That was sort of the, the idea like, Hey, you know, we've the last 10 years, we've, almost well almost 10 years we've been performing live a lot and there's so much that so much things that have happened uh musically to this group um whether it's different collaborations or the directions of the music or things that have happened things that we've written and have played in live performance so the idea was to um like, like i mentioned before was to try to capture somewhat capture what the live what sun live was like on a studio on a studio album without any of the extra a lot of the extra instrumentation or textures or layers or uh ambitious concepts that we that we uh, um that we attempted on on monoliths so i guess right now we're sort of in a really interesting position because we've done we did the life metal record it, it's you know that session spawned two two albums uh uh, life metal and, and, and pyroclass. And then, and now with this BBC recording to me, to us, we kind of looking at the three of those albums, the life metal pyroclass and BBC is, you know, sort of a trilogy or I guess for lack of a better word, where it's all in the same theme. That's, you know, and that's precisely why we, why we asked, um, Samantha Keeley Smith to do the paintings for, um, all three records. So kind of looking at them as, um, almost like a, a package really or all three of these records so where we go next I, I i really i don't know especially of course with the <laughs> with um the distance between steven and i and the and the pandemic and the fact that we haven't been in the same room together for over two years we're we're not quite sure what the next um album is going to be and we don't know what the live next live performance is going to be because um we haven't been able to schedule anything at the moment so it's kind of in the in the moment it's 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 a bit of a um it's a bit of an unknown. We definitely are excited to to get together again and to record and to play live. But and I think it's going to be really I don't know I'm really I'm really excited and curious to hear what it's going to sound like when we get back together and play. We've both individually Stephen and I have been working on a lot of stuff uh, he, and he's been working on his own stuff. I've been working on a lot of my own stuff and. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to get together in the room again and and put our ideas and our heads together and see what comes out. And I think it's going to be, you know, sort of, I, I want to hear what it sounds like after two years of not playing together and, and living through and surviving all that we've been through. <laughs> I think it's going to create some really um, interesting and, and potentially powerful sounds. I'm, I can't wait for that. I just don't, I don't have an answer what that, what that is yet for Stephen, who lives abroad, and for you, there's been a little distance, but there hasn't been a threat of a disease that stopped you from getting together. So it's a little bit different now. What does some of that solo material look like if that's where the focus of your output has been recently? Well, I'm not really too sure. I mean, it's you know, I I, I can't really speak for for Stephen. I mean, he's been involved in some really interesting projects and um, um, very different from son and and he's got he's been collaborating with this woman callie malone this organist um and doing a lot of stuff with her which is it is really um powerful and beautiful um music but you know i don't know i i can't really necessarily completely speak for him um and you know i wouldn't do that anyways but uh for myself but yeah it's it's interesting because really kind of my whole life i've never been one who was savvy or did a lot of home recording i i, I i'm like the last one to really kind of tech ignorant <laughs> with the, you know i don't even know how to operate garage band i haven't for a long time so any ideas i would have musically by myself i would you know record it on a you know a, a tape recorder if i had it or you know later on you know later on a, on a phone or whatever but but never really you know my my sort of creativity and 
musical writing would come in a room with other players, you know, and with, whether the, you know, other bands that I'd been in, that's where I would do my writing. And that's where music, the, the songs would come together uh, with bands I did. But for the first time ever starting like right when, right when the pandemic hit, I, um, I, I actually bought myself a digital um, a recorder, uh, a, a digital A-track recorder and, and taught myself how to use it. And I really got into it and enjoyed making recordings uh, at home and um, <laughs> more than I've ever done ever in my life. And I've, I've, uh, I actually, uh, I got, I was commissioned to, co to uh, write a score for a horror movie that I did. And then um and then I did a, a bunch of um, other recordings and collaborations I did with um, this woman, Petra Hayden. And um, we have done six uh, pieces of music together. And, and that's something that we're looking to uh, release later in the year on Southern Lord. But so I've been more creative <laughs> over the last two years than I have really my entire life as far as writing and um, and on my own. Um so I, I've, I've been able to learn a lot doing that and work through a lot of ideas and, and come up with a lot of stuff. And so I, I'm, I, I, have a, I have a lot of stuff in my bag ready to go for, um, uh, for Sun um, when, and when that happens, you know. So um, that's kind of, you know, that's sort of what we've been talking about is each of us like, hey, we've, these last two years have actually been really creative and productive for both of us. So that's another reason to be excited when we get in the same room together and you know everyone's going to have this a lot of ideas to bring into the table and probably more than we ever have in the past cuz albums have come together in the past with just you know just very small sparks of ideas and we sort of just wait until we're in the same room to really that's when it that's when it really starts happening and that'll happen this time too. But I, like I said, I think we have, we have a lot more like, Hey, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, you know, and it could be a lot to work from and to start with. Petra Hayden, obviously coming from a musical family and she also sang on the Void album. That's right. Yeah. She, uh, yeah, she sang on that record. And there was another record that I did with the band Goat Snake um, around the same time of that. And she also sang on that record. So there was this time period where she was, a, she was introduced to us by the singer for Goat Snake, Pete Stahl, um, was a close friend of his. And, um, so, so she was, and we recorded those two records, the Goat Snake Flower of Disease and, and um, uh, Sun Double Avoid was recorded in the same studio. So right around the same time. So she was just, she was somebody that was like, oh man, it's incredible to have this voice on there. And, and, um, um, and she plays, also plays violin as well. Um, and she's incredible. So it, what happened with that was when Sun played in, Los Angeles in 2019, we were in contact with her. She wanted to come to the show and, and we invited her to perform with us at the end of our set. We would do like a free form sort of uh, drone with, uh, with everyone. And we just, you know, we choose a key sort of in the, in the moment and then, uh, and then drone on in that key, really sort of in the spirit of the pyroclast record um, where it's like a key is picked chosen and then there's a drone that happens with a, a group drone so we asked her to join us on stage with that and she sang and played violin um during that during that piece um and it was just such a great experience for everyone and she's like oh man let me know if you want to do something and and we were like oh we definitely would like to do something in the future and and then, you know, of course, the pandemic hit. But when I was uh, when I was making this music, I was like, oh, man, maybe I should ask Petra and see if she's still interested in doing something um, together. And, and that's and that's how that started. So and it ended up being, you know, it ended up turning into six pieces of music that uh, I'm really I'm really excited about them. It's just it's, it's such an honor to play with her and her musicality is just on, you know, beyond <laughs> beyond anything that uh you know uh, i don't know it's 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 beautiful and amazing it was a really cool combination 22 years ago and i think 
anyone would be very excited for this combination to rear its head in the future. I would remiss without asking a little bit about Southern Lord and the Engine Kid reissues, but before we kind of jump to those with the remaining time we have, Sun has always performed kind of in interesting venues and interesting places. Uh, we were speaking before the recording that I had seen you at the Rockefeller Cathedral in Chicago. And, you know, having not performed for a little while, I guess whether it's a place or maybe even like an environment, because environment is a factor that you do consider with your shows. Is there a sort of a specific place or environment that you would love to return to from a performance standpoint? Well, it's always special to do something that's not in a typical club or venue that's normal, you know, that's... um but, you know, being able to play um, or having the opportunity to play in cathedrals and churches is that that's very that's very special. And, and I love it when we have that opportunity. We um, on that tour, I think right after the Chicago shows, we actually played in a in, a, in these caverns <laughs> in Tennessee. Yeah. Oh, man, that was great. That was just really cool. The venue was I mean, the caves were really they were they were awesome it was re- it was really great and um the way that it was set up was was really um felt like it was it was respectful of the 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 nature <laughs> as well you know and and it wasn't like they were just like bringing trudging in all this this gear and you know i, I don't know sometimes some of those outdoor festival things that that are set in these nice areas it just seems to me they just trample all over all the all the nature and the aesthetic of it is just kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of, to me, it's garbage, you know, but this was really, respect- I don't know. I think everything was really respectful and um, the acoustics in the, in the, in the caverns was ex- really insane and intense. Um, it was a great experience to be able to do that. So, I mean, anytime we have an opportunity to play outside of a black box, you know, that, or, a, you know, a typical place in, um, in a in a city or town that's that's absolutely preferred you know it doesn't get to happen it doesn't happen all the time um there's so many logistics and moving parts with that stuff and it's kind of a miracle that that it goes off you know (laughs) um and it happens but um we when when we can uh, i those are those are really great moments when when we can do that when we have that opportunity i think that there's always sort of the right place for a band that eschews some of the conventions. And Sun is a great example of a group that can fit in a lot of different places and whose music can be sort of imagined and reimagined highly depending on where it is, where it's placed. And so I imagine like a place where there's a ton of reverb, like in caves and stuff would be pretty awesome. The Engine Kid reissues, I was curious about the timing on those. And I know that this is stuff that's near and dear to you as a having performed on that material and that type of music is near and dear for you. So tell me a little bit about how the sort of timing came together for those reissues. Well, um, there's a you know it was kind of a it was a you know there's a lot um, a lot of there's a lot of time for reflection obviously for a lot of people during the pandemic and and um w- you know one of the things that i was reflecting on was music that i had made in the 90s before um moving to los angeles and forming goat snake and and forming sun and and um reminiscing reminiscing about those times and it was uh you know it was very sentimental <laughs> for sure but um the drummer the other guys in in engine kit are still really close friends uh of mine and it was kind of my belief that there's there was the music and what we were doing um with that group was sort of lost and kind of being buried and i i felt like it it's an important part of my story and important part of like, you know, kind of heavy music and what it's, it's, it's really informed and been essential, uh, to what I've done since then, you know, since engine kid with everything, including the, the label. So I thought it would be appropriate to bring that music back out and, and, you know, really sort of, um, present it to the Southern Lord audience and, and you know, obviously be introduction, um, for the first time for a lot of people to hear that music. And, um, 
you know, now that, you know, being fortunate to have the Southern Lord platform and resources to uh, expose people to um, this music is uh, decided to, to give that a, a shot <laughs> and, and, and bring these out. And, and, you know, um, also it was, you know, we had a lot of, it was great to, you know, get together and, and, uh, have some creativity with the other members of the, of engine kit as well. It's like, it was, you know, we had been so long since we had done that. Um, so, cause we actually did get together about, uh, four or five months ago and recorded some, made a new recording. Um, some of it's some old material that was never released and that we never ended up recording. And then some of it was stuff we just made up uh, in the, in the moment actually and that all that material was released as a as an ep recently uh, and we did and then we uh we put out a flexi disc of a couple of the songs too it's cool just something to um you know sort of document that moment of us getting back together it, you know the intention was not never to be have it be a reunion uh, uh of the band is not getting back together we will not be playing shows but we're all really close friends and it was really it was kind of like this curiosity too like what would it be like if we all got in the same room together you know for the first time in 25 years and and played music we're so that'd be really interesting to hear what that sounds like we've all we've all grown so much and taken different paths and in, in, in our lives both musically and spiritually emotionally you know uh, everyone's gone different ways and done different things so let's put this together again and see what it sounds like and that's exactly what we did and it was really it was a lot of fun but it's not realistic i i i don't feel like it's realistic to you know parade it out any further as far as you know playing like these reunion shows and things like that i just don't feel like it's i i don't think it's nece- i don't think it's necessary and i don't think it's appropriate for for where we're you know who where we are and uh in our heads and stuff like that you know it's but but it was a lot of fun <laughs> it was a lot of fun and i love those guys and and that music you know to me was you know that engine kid was the first time in my life that i've started experimenting sonically with uh with music and and um, sound and um playing through as many amps as i could possibly get my hands on things like that things that influenced what i did later very heavily and um and really started you know that band was was influenced by some of the bands that continue to influence sun um you know like melvin's and earth and caspar brotsman and and john coltrane and you know that these the, these these are sort of the first time in my life where uh, i was being exposed to those musicians and being inspired by their music and making my own music inspired by that you know and yeah it's something i look back on with with uh with a lot of um fond memories <laughs> and you also kind of think about the evolution of hardcore music and how there's a little bit more of a, an inclusive thought to how we think of heavy music and how it's covered and talked about putting this out at this time can have a sort of different impact or make a different statement based on the context in which it's being introduced versus when it was uh, at the time yeah and i mean as you know it it's also the dust has settled as well. And so you can sort of, you know, I mean, a lot of that music too, especially in your twenties or my twenties, when I made the music that I made, it was, um, is very much, um, you know, in the moment, you don't know what you, and you don't know what you're doing, you know, you don't know what you're doing or what exactly what's going to happen with this stuff. You're just, you're just, you're just going and you're, and you're going with the momentum that you have at the time. And, you know, I think a lot of music like is like that. And uh, a lot of music I continue to make is like that. You don't have the, you know, you're not, you're not analyzing it to death in the moment or, or, you know, you let it, you just let it go. And then sometimes later it becomes, it takes a different, it has a different meaning to you or it's like, oh no, you different, you understand it in a different way or, um, which is really interesting. So, um, yeah, I think that's, you know, the, th- that was kind of the thing about engine kid is that for a long time, I sort of, you know, I just moved forward with what I was doing musically. And I, to be honest, you sort of forgot about that group, you know, and it was like, and it just kind of, you know, started dawning on me at, 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 uh, a couple of years ago, like, wow, you know, the stuff that we did at that time, that's, there's some pretty, pretty amazing stuff. And some, I, some pretty ambitious ideas that we had and, and a lot of it, you know, and it all, it all completely relates to what I'm doing now. So, um, you know, it kind of hit me in a different way, 
And it's, you know, sometimes it takes 20 years or 25 years for something to make sense to you, you know, and, um, and that was one of those instances, you know. That's a great sort of ending point and a great observation in the sense that we can change, the music is static in some way, but we view it really differently over time. I find that to be fascinating. Yeah, and and, and sort of, you know, with the label as well, I mean, there's a lot of reissues and um, uh, that we do. And like, for example, the Caspar Bratzman uh, albums that we released, it's a, a very similar sort of idea, you know, with uh, that you're saying. And and again, he was an artist who, and those albums that he made with the the trio, the Caspar Brosman Massacre, that I thought, you know, wow, no, people don't know about this music, and they they should. This is music that this is incredible music that people I think will really enjoy. And there's so many a lot of stuff that people are a lot of bands that people like right now. You know, they they uh, are in, were influenced by this music, and it shaped helped shape their sound. So. Um, a lot of those, that's, that's some of my favorite releases on Southern Lord are these reissues because of that. Cause it's like, it's sort of, it's, um, hoping to turn people on to the roots of the music that, you know, the modern current bands that they're, they're listening to. It's like, well, this is, this is where that sound came from. And this is a, a really great artist who, um, deserves your, uh, deserves your attention, you know? And, and, um, that's, that's one of, that's, you know, of course we work with, with new artists at Southern Lord. And that's, that's exciting to be able to involve with that, with something that's happening in the moment, but, but being able to shine a light on uh, more obscure artists and works is, is also a huge part of what happens with what, what we do at Southern Lord and which I really enjoy. You know? I find it very interesting how Southern Lord creates this very wide platform for heavy music. I've loved, like, I think it was the Matia Dud was a group from Sweden. It was actually more through that lens that I was introduced to Southern Lord. It's one of those things where it creates so many different doors that people can walk in through to begin with. But then there's like a whole other world of things that they can be introduced to and all these little caverns and paths of artists and, and expressions that you can go through. I mean, ideally, like, I mean, you've created a world that people can just endlessly explore in. And that is, I think for people that are curious, like that's totally enriching uh, in comparison to a label that may just be focused focused on one narrow type of music, which can be great in its own sense, obviously. But, you know, for people that are curious, you got to have something to chew on a little bit. And this offers that. <laughs> oh, man. Thank I do that. Thank you very much. I mean, that's that's, you know, that's the that's the hope, you know, and um, of what we're doing is is, uh, you know, a lot of what you said and, and really helping people, hoping people will be, um, you know, turned on to some really great music. I mean, that's the whole thing for me. I mean, <laughs> when I was a kid, I traded tapes with people through the mail, you know, and that was like, you know, they were, I was getting turned on to cool stuff and I was sending people tapes and demos of, of, of uh, in the mail of music. I thought was really cool. And it was, it was all about like, you know, turning people on and getting turned on to different kinds of music and different, you know, bands. And I kind of look at this as a extension of that um as well like you know there's great music out there and a lot of it i think uh is really um it can be overlooked and so i'm hoping to shine a light on on stuff that i think is um really great music that i, I think other people will enjoy as well and 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 we're saying like taking different paths and that's interesting that you you know you're some of your your first exposure was through martyr dot and an incredible um swedish band and there's a really sort of a great scene of music that we had the opportunity to release some records bands like Wolf Brigade as well from, from uh, also from Sweden. And, um, and, and it's cool. I, I like, <clears throat> that's one thing that I I'm really proud of with the labels that it is really eclectic and, and it doesn't just focus on one specific micro style of underground music. There's different things that we feature, you know, whether it's Anna von Hauswolf and, and, and her solo organ album or, um, you know, extreme, power violence grind from Oxnard, California with nails and, you know, and, um, and uh, it, it's like, I, I like, I like the fact that it maybe seems somewhat schizophrenic uh, to the outside eye. Um, I think that's, uh, I think that's, you know, to me, that's, 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 that's a compliment. That's where we're, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we can have some, we can be eclectic with what we're um, 
offering. Yeah, absolutely. So let's close here and rattle off a couple of things that people can expect from Southern Lord this year. We've already obviously talked about the Sun Live album, and we talked about the Engine Kid re-releases. You mentioned the new Anna Von Hostwolf. You're doing the live album, live from Montreal Jazz Festival? Live at Montreal, yeah. Um, live at Montreal Jazz Festival. Um, that record... The uh, the CD and the digital was released uh, a week ago, and the vinyl will be coming in a, in a few months. We have a uh, uh, man. I'm really like really honored that we were doing a um, a record with uh, Thurston Moore of him a solo guitar record that he did called Screen Time. It's really um, it's a really really beautiful record. So that's coming uh, next month. And then um, we have a few releases um, around Record Store Day in April. Uh, one is the um, uh, <laughs> a reissue of this old uh, this band from the '80s '80s hardcore band called the Catatonics. Really great hardcore band um, that I would listen to a lot when I was uh, a, a kid. And and then I'm, there's a uh, an album of my solo stuff called um under my, my the name that i'm recording under is the, the lord <laughs> and the record's called forest nocturne and it's um it's it's a it's um it's about it's like eight pieces of music that are really um inspired by like uh re- very cinematic inspired by like bernard herman and john carpenter but um but guitar driven pieces of music so that's coming out as well and then um yeah i mean i'm we've got some other things in the works that not quite ready yet and um can't announce but uh but yeah some cool stuff happening this year um and we're going to be uh working on getting a lot of um sort of our our catalog uh repressed um vinyl vinyl uh some vinyl represses from the catalog this year um so yeah and then and then you know i was mentioned before the, the 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 album uh or the music that i recorded with petra hayden we're going to um, release that um, by the end of the year as well. So Those are all exciting things from you, Greg, and from Southern Lord. Greg, thank you so much for coming on Heavy Hops. It was a pleasure having you. For listeners, we'll have links in the episode notes for some of the stuff so that folks can listen to it. And Greg, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it.